Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Black Women Working Podcast. No, Why don't distract me. Because I'm a happy and person. I'm, I'm a happy and jolly person. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Everybody, introduce yourself. Say hello. And if you so like it, this is a safe space to tell the audience how you're feeling today. But don't go on about it. Nobody really cares much. Just saying. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I say nobody cares. It's Black Women Working podcast, not Dutty Jankro podcast. We care about how everyone else feels. I feel fine. I feel a little bit under pressure because I've got deadlines and I'm going to a work conference tomorrow. Oh, I'm Chantel. I, I, <laughs> I'm not feeling too great, but I'm happy to move. Equilates as well. Rach. I'm okay. I'm good, actually. Yeah. Nice. As for myself, I'm going through a Nobody asked. of dichotomous <laughs> feelings. <laughs> and that's all no, that this, I'd like this, to no, share. No, this is the working on you. Yeah, part of working on yourself is being considerate to those mm. around you. So I'm not going to have that mocking. <laughs> no, I'm not having it. I, I feel to delete the whole episode um, part again. <laughs> Everybody has released their emotions and feelings into the atmosphere. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> you can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at BWW Podcast UK. You can find us on LinkedIn, um, Black Women Working, and you can email us blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com. And of course, you can check out our website, www.blackwomenworking.com. So today's topic is on generational wealth. And so that we're all on the same page with regards to what that is, according to fortune.com, article December 2022, generational wealth is essentially any kind of asset that has been passed down from generation, one generation to the next. This might include cash, investment funds, stocks and bonds, real estate properties, or even businesses and multi-generational wealth is not equal across the board, sorry. So pivoting to what that looks like in the UK, an article by Shante Joseph for Chase, quote, says, Black Caribbean households hold 20p for every one pound of white British wealth, end quote. Furthermore, research by the Resolution Foundation shows that there's actually a huge wealth gap between everyone in the UK, which is not to us to be honest with you but essentially people from black african backgrounds typically hold the least wealth which is less than one eighth of the wealth held by white british people so i mean that kind of gives you a flavor of the limitations most of us have in terms of building generational wealth or if you want to think about it a bit more positively some of the challenges that we kind of have working against us um, and for the purposes of expediting the conversation to its focus today uh, we won't dwell too much on why that is because I feel like a lot of those factors are known but I will mention them briefly um, shortly um, this is a side effect of you know white privilege which offers white people more opportunities and access to resources control and power over mass wealth um, there's generational wealth which is been acquired as a result of slavery there's things like ethnicity pay gap mixed and blended with the gender pay gap there's discrimination and bias factors non-white people experience with regards to employment opportunities etc etc and really and truly just a really long list of catalysts 
which stem directly from living within a white supremacist social system. That sounds very strong, but actually it's just the facts of the matter. Now, as second and third generation immigrants know that we earn far more than our parents did. In fact, more than some of them could have ever hoped to see. But in tangible terms, it's not really affording us the advantages that we would expect. And also in certain circumstances in today's um, society, it's not even affording us advantages that they were able um, to take um, or to access in their time. Now, according to the World Economic Forum, one of those reasons stems for, quote, the drop to a combination of lower average earnings, rising house prices and lower home ownership in the wake of the financial crisis, to bring it into recent times. And according to the Institute for Fiscal Studies, the pandemic and its aftermath may have well increased wealth and wealth inequalities further. So against that backdrop, the question now becomes, how do we as black women maximize opportunities to build generational wealth for our families? And so by way of kind of tackling that question for this podcast, the first question I have to throw out to you all is, what does generational wealth look like specifically to each of you? Um, just give me some succinct answers because first of all, we have to understand what it means to us in order to break it down. I'll go. So I think we have a lack of knowledge in terms of how to play the game when it comes to wealth and for me I think about the fact that like my grandparents potentially even my parents feel like buying a house getting on the property ladder was enough but actually paying for that house and I think I've said this before on the pod like if my father thinks that leaving his house in in his will to me is going to suffice it won't because life expectancy is also longer and he could potentially live for another 30 years, meaning my children could have children before the wealth he expects to hand down to me comes to me. And if I think about my grandma, while she's just about acquired more than one property between five kids and however many grandchildren, we just are not privy to the knowledge of how to play the game in maximizing the wealth that we have so one acquisition is not enough Mm, that's a really good point I feel like we should expand on that and one of the questions later on but thank you for that um anybody else next yeah I think um I definitely agree with Shan I feel like our parents our grandparents were not really uh, knowledgeable in terms of how to generate wealth they did just think it was a property thing and I was literally having this conversation the other day with my sibling and he was saying to me that there's so many other ways in which to generate wealth and I think some of the ways that he was mentioning things like and I know told you mentioned earlier investments and um, cash even just cash lump sums those type of things like we're quite afraid of them um, things like doing things like bonds and stuff like that. Like a lot of people from our community will be like, um, what's that? Or how do I get into that? Or I'm not sure if I should do that. And I think that has kind of pushed us further away from our other other cultures within the UK. So just to jump in here a bit, um, that context is important, but I kind of want us to focus on what it means to us as individuals, us as a team. So what does generational wealth 
look like to you specifically? I think just having, um, I would say wealth, but in so many, all the forms that you've mentioned, but then also being able to draw upon it to actually use it for things and not just have it there sitting around in, in accounts or just a house that's there and it can't do anything. Maybe we could use it to rent, but to have it and use it for stuff and not just have it sitting around, I would say. Mm-hmm. And Natalie? Um, I mean, it's just wealth that you, it's just anything you inherited, basically. Like, that's the bottom line. If you have an, a house that you've inherited from your parents, that's generational wealth. If you have bonds or you have savings that you or stocks and shares that your family members have that you've inherited, it's basically anything you don't have to work for. That's what I consider generational wealth to be. So if you want to buy a house and your parents give you the deposit and you don't have to pay it back, that's generational wealth. I think people think the idea of generational wealth is that you're going to give generational wealth to the next generation and they're never going to have to work. It's about every advantage possible, basically. I think you need to we need to also realise is that there's a steps process. So, for example... If my grandparents left something to my dad, he's got a basis and then he can leave something to me. That is the next step up. So on and so forth. By the time he get, the hope is by the time he gets to the fourth to the fifth generation, that the step up that they get is quite significant. But then it feeds into Shan's point about the cost of living crisis, inflation, all those type of things. What's being left doesn't do necessarily what the people that left it to us expected it to do which like you said is a slightly different point Mm, I think I agree um to me generational wealth is basically essentially um a cushion something that um I could fall back on because um it's something that my parents have left and do you know what for me sometimes generational wealth people think it kicks in once somebody has died but I don't necessarily think so I feel like it can be whilst people are still alive and basically it just um generational wealth kind of for me what it means to me is that it mitigates against situations of utter desperation where there's just nowhere to look to in terms of um i don't know financial support etc cetera, etc cetera, in terms of that but then i'm also a bit of a what do you call it i'm a bit airy fairy i feel like generational wealth is not just like financial related to financial things i also feel like generational wealth is related to a sense of stability and well-being in terms of maybe the environments that previous generations provide or cultivate so that you as a person you're coming into an environment that feels less stressful feels less like you're going back to I don't know the days of slavery with overseer over you I feel like generational wealth also includes the element of enabling a sense of personal and individual freedom in how I live and pursue my life um, so that's kind of the context in which I see it. But moving on to the second question, um, bearing in mind all that you said, all that you consider generational wealth to be in the past, present and future, what kind of sacrifices would you be willing to make for the acquisition of general generational wealth as you personally see it? So an example of that in today's terms, like it could be 
the paradigm of work versus enjoyment because a lot of people work themselves to the bone in order to provide generational wealth but we're living in a cost of living crisis how beneficial is it to take or pursue that kind of lifestyle for a wealth quote unquote <laughs> that will just you know evaporate and vanish <laughs> for your descendants so <laughs> so I would say like building on my first point I am currently willing to put in the work so that in terms of generations my children can afford not only you know tangible wealth in terms of property money but also exactly what you're saying about autonomy and freedom tolls and so for me I don't think that I have like the absolute freedom that I would like because ultimately in an ideal situation everything I do would mean that my children are I'm not even joking they go to uni for the fun of it like that they don't necessarily have to have a job I know that's controversial I want them to work in fields that they want to work in because they want to I don't want them to feel obliged to have an employer I want to be able to know that whatever time I'm spending listening to podcasts reading books building my knowledge that's my sacrifice building my knowledge and and maybe compromising levels of my enjoyment as my as a parent so that when my child is 18 21 if they're like yeah like as Natalie said I need a deposit that's not going to be hard for me if they want to be like I need a 30 grand 50 grand injection for a business idea I don't want that to be hard for them um and I'm quite happy to take that responsibility I think part of the the narrative the problem in the society that we live in in the UK is that we are privy to fortunate enough for some and I've benefited from that, but we have a benefit system and that benefit system extends in terms of housing. It goes in terms of education. You know, the fact that you can rely on having a tuition fee, a maintenance grant, blah, blah, blah. And that's all very well. But who knows what the landscape looks like in five, 10 years time. And so I need to be prepared to have the resources that my children need. That's an excellent point, actually. Um, very salient. I think for me, in terms of sacrifices, um, who not like enjoyment? I love enjoyment. This is why I don't have any children right now, yeah, because I'm trying to live my 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 life to the maximum full, yeah. Because yes, God bless you, children. You know, want you to live, you know, a happy life and all that stuff. But also, mother needs enjoyment. <laughs> so obviously, you know, you have kids, you'd be willing to make sacrifices. Um in terms of providing them with you know the most comfortable future I don't know I feel like a little bit of me still has that sufferation mentality where I'm like yeah. I'm gonna quite yeah. I'm gonna qualify it it's not that I want them to suffer actually that's the wrong term to use but I think what I would like to provide is the cushion basically and um a situation in which I would still want them to kind of strive because striving does kind of build your character um as a person but also yeah so I kind of just want them to to be able to have a cushion 
to fall back on and the sacrifices that I'd be willing to make. Obviously, I guess working harder, but again, I'm not going to come and kill myself because we only live once. And sometimes I think we focus so much on a future that is not determined and is not definite as opposed to living the moment. Sometimes generational wealth is actually being present and building beautiful relationships and beautiful moments with the people that you have that they can cherish long after you're gone. So that's the way that I see it. Yeah, that's not generational wealth, though. It is generational wealth because they can't pass it down. Remember, Grandma? (laughs) You know, you're conflating. I think... I think I think the question in in and of itself is is problematic, right? Because you're talking about people making sacrifices for generational wealth. It's really about making the necessary sacrifices to provide yourself and your loved ones with security. Um, and ultimately, if it's within your gift, obviously I'm not an advocate for people working themselves to the bone. But if it is within your gift to take extra steps to give your family security. I believe you should take to the extent that you have the capacity to do so you should um you should take those steps and I just think at the end of the day even like people don't even realize but even saving into a pension is like a form of generational wealth because god forbid you drop dead before you retire that's something that someone in your family can inherit right um even things like life insurance policies that if you do die that's something that someone in your family can inherit. It's, it's if you. I feel like if you associate it with like sacrifice, it's going to be much harder conceptually for you to prioritize it. Um, I don't think all sacrifices are negative though. So I guess it just depends on how people perceive certain things. Because I would call those things sacrifices because they're sacrifices financially. You pay a premium monthly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's a sacrifice that I'm I'm happy to do. So I wouldn't consider it um negatively. Like if you want to provide a better future for your kids or whoever, you're definitely going to have to make some sacrifices. But not all sacrifices are negative sacrifices um Rachel what are your thoughts I feel like um it is definitely something that you well there's going to be things that you have to sacrifice in order to ensure that general generational wealth is passed down onto your loved ones and your children or whatever but I feel like I've seen my grandparents do that and I would like to move away from that type of sacrifice they sacrifice so much so that me and my brother are able to do the things that we're able to do today. And I feel like that sacrifice gave them a lot of unhappiness. They worked tirelessly. Um, and I would like to move away from that and not be that example to my son where I'm working myself so much so that I'm not able to do, I'm not able to be around him, I'm not able to support him. So I don't know exactly what that sacrifice is going to look like for me, but I would like to move away from the sacrifice that I've seen my parents and my grandparents do, if that Mm, makes sense. mm. Yeah, that does. That's very fair enough. So moving on from, (coughs) sorry, sacrifices, you know, one of the things that often comes up these days in discussions of generational wealth, wealth in general, is, oh, um, you know, just stop having your avocado, stop having your tea and, you know, you'll be able to buy your house and everything that you need to do. So I guess my question is, how do we shut out the noise coming from these boomers who have never really lived our reality, have a very warped perception of it? And they're offering outdated advice, 
as a means for us to get out of a very dizzying cost of living crisis to bring yeah, it into the they, present. They need, they need to be quiet because when they were buying houses, houses were 20 grand. That part. And that's the beginning, middle and end of it. Like if I want avocados and it's that deep, I'll just go Aldi. It's not like, I just think, I think the, I don't even want to discuss it too much because I just don't think it adds any value. I think it's just all hyperbole. The idea that Netflix is the thing that's stopping from people in our generation not being able to buy houses is actually pretty, is actually pretty insulting um, and and insensitive. So I don't even want to even pay too much attention to them. They can STFU for like a nine times out of 10. They're the crackheads who voted for Brexit. <laughs> yep. It's still continuing to vote for the Conservatives. A lot of the cost of living crisis um, is because of some of the choices that they have made um, politically. So within their right to make those choices, but they're making those choices on the basis that they don't nine times out of 10 directly impact them because they have the benefit of pensions, benefit mm. of loans without mortgages. So they can STFU as far as I'm concerned. And that's why I wanted to bring this up, because I think sometimes maybe there's people out there that are really actually taking that advice to heart and thinking, OK, I need to cancel my Netflix. I need to do this, that and the other. But actually, there's a wider context they need to understand as to why what these people are saying doesn't make any sense whatsoever because the landscape is entirely different from when they were alive in terms of the comparative value of what they were earning as opposed to what they were able to do with that wealth so there we have it I'm, I think I'm a little bit no sorry I think it kind of conflates what generational wealth is generational wealth is not built overnight so me not getting net I think a lot of those times baby boomers are having those type of conversations from my understanding it's been in relation to why people can't afford deposits for houses um yeah because people perceive having a house as a form of generational wealth yeah, that's kind yeah. of how it ties back in okay got it go yeah. on Shan um I've got a little bit of compassion left <laughs> a little bit I completely agree with Natalie but I'm I'm here for dragging them. I've still got a little bit more. I've got a little bit of capacity left to um, educate, you know, mm. whilst we're talking about, you know, you're talking about generational wealth and, you know, for the most part, everybody thinks about property. But did you have you written your will? No. Do you have life insurance? No. Do you have and that thought? Hold it because we're gonna get to it. You, you know we're gonna get to it. <laughs> right? Hold so it. You might hold on. I know. I know. There's some bits, but it's like you know that one part because I don't own my house doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not looking after wealth in other parts. And so, also, whilst they might have things that we don't, they also have struggle gate mentality. And so, I've still got a little bit left in me to to drag them to say but you've not done this this and this and actually this will protect both you in your living days and your sick days and then in your passing it will protect your loved ones too and I think that's a perfect segue into the next question which is what new opportunities do you feel we have now available to us as a means to successfully build generational wealth that perhaps maybe our previous generations have which can put us in a really positive position. Maybe cryptocurrency. But I don't think I don't think I, that, I, I don't think it's much it new. It's that knowledge piece. It's how are we playing the game? How are you moving the chess pieces? How yeah. are you 
you know, don't buy a don't buy your one house and that's your forever home and you're falling in love with the bricks and the mortar. Be ready to move on. Watch, watch the figures, watch what's rising, watch what's crashing. I don't think it's necessarily about what opportunities we have, it's how we're utilizing those. Even when we think about our pension, how are you what it, how is your pension invested? Do you understand when and where you can access that pension? People mm. are not you know, or relying on just the workplace one, not the private one. It's the knowledge. It's the knowledge gap for me. I completely agree yeah. because I think, yeah, I just agree with all of that completely. I'm thinking about, you know, some of the resources that we have available to us now, actually, in terms of digital resources, like the yeah. internet, maybe websites, you know, people like Martin Lewis and the information that he provides as well. I mean, it's about knowing what you can do with a lot of things and I feel like our generation especially millennials we've become more open to receiving wisdom about these things we've going to center se what's what you call them Sem seminar seminars workshops seminars seminars we're going to workshops all those things and we're gathering all that information together and applying it to our lives you know there's so many like financial whatever things that I follow well not so many a few of them because some of them are absolutely nonsense that I follow on social media platforms and every now and again when I have the emotional capacity to actually deal with like a, a raft of my financial things I'm like okay so I need to change this account and I need to try attempting investing here etc etc so I feel like in terms of opportunities that's what I personally see as now being available to us to help us build generational wealth better and it's also that Understanding of the strategy and the methods that worked in the past are not necessarily going to work for us today you know when you bought a house in the path you you could actually foreseeably see in your life a point where you'd pay that off in full that's actually not going to be the case for a lot of people these days because the mortgages mm. are going on for so long so in terms of how good that is uh, a form of generational wealth also varies when you take all those things into consideration and I also feel like there's way to generational wealth whilst not even being in the country. Like maybe it's going abroad, working in a place, say like Dubai, where you don't pay taxes, building up a, a lot of money from all the work that you're doing there. And then maybe using that to invest, et cetera, et cetera. You know, these are kind of options that actually weren't available to our parents' generation um, previously. So I see that as some of the new ways. I don't know if anyone can think of any more. Hmm. You covered you covered ground there for real Yeah. I, I think it is about the knowledge stuff as well, like making sure that you're up to date with what's going on and researching and the seminars that you were discussing told as well. Because I feel like maybe in our grandparents' day they weren't able to do as much stuff like that and the social media side they weren't able to see as much. So just making yeah, sure you understand. Thing. I think when it comes to especially Caribbean grandparents. I think they did leave people gener they did leave or they tried to leave people generational wealth. They left people their houses and they left people their houses in Brixton in Tottenham. Mm. They sold those houses and took the money. This so, is a segue I into the last question. I have a massive resentment about the kind of thing about this is about knowledge. Because when Caribbean people came to this country, they are one of the main reasons that the working class in this country even aspire to home ownership because they had to buy homes because no one would rent to them. And they did things like invest in bonds in their banks, have amounts mm -hmm. of savings. They had even money under their bed that they were hiding from the tax man. <laughs> 
they <laughs> used to partners to raise money so I'm not going to let my grandparents go out I'm sorry go out no I'm saying us we need to know more things like research more things that we can use to make okay, generational away from education that they I'm not saying know. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that our grandparents didn't know certain things but I'm saying okay for example if they did invest in bonds now we can look online and see all the different types of bonds to invest in maybe they just knew about one at the time and then they went with that one well let's get into it let's get into it because I just think at the end of the day I think there's a bigger I think there is a bigger amount of materialism first and foremost first let's just call it call it what it is and I'm not going to sit here and like I don't like like nice things there's a bigger focus on material materialism first and foremost I think also there is less home ownership because it's just harder to own homes now yeah so mm-hmm. you, like my grandparents it was all about paying off the mortgage paying off the mortgage paying off the mortgage once that mortgage was paid they were like okay cool this house mm. my is for my children and for my grandchildren um and then I think separately they used to do things like partners they used mm-hmm. to go to the bank the building societies and invest in bonds I just think the view that they took was any little money they had, they were going to save, they were going to put down. Like our gra- Caribbean grandmothers, I'm not saying African wasn't, but I, my grandma's Jamaican, were the queen of the side hustle. My grandma used to have a job as a seamstress, but make people's curtains, but also cook this and do that. And I'm sure other people's grandparents. And still have their house back home. They were still building that yard to go back home to as well. Like my grandparents weren't building a house back home, but they were doing all kinds of stuff like that. And you speak to other people. So I just think that the focuses are different. I also think that inflation has gone crazy and it's meant that it is 10 times more difficult. Things like materialism and the way we spend our money changing beyond the basic necessities. In reality, it is 10 times harder to... So- we've established it yeah to to pay mortgages people's rents are out of are out of control but people's salaries have just not gone up Up sorry my dear Mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna round you up on that because i think what i want to focus on and what you said is the foundation that the generations before has a lot of them did establish a lot of them were diligent a lot of them did what they needed to do and so with this feeds into our final question which is you know in spite of that a lot of us have witnessed the flagrant squandering of generational wealth by some of our elders maybe a generation before us who refused to have foresight so what advice do we have for anyone who has family on the brink of such a decision and what safeguards can we put in place to ensure that rogue factions don't destroy the setup for future generations. Focus mm-hmm. on keeping wealth in the family. Yes, and, yes. And not, and when I say that, I mean lose your ego. So, for example, I've just literally this month called my family out on making sure that we understand the numbers involved with my nan's house, both here and in Barbados. And between us, we actually know, like, there's loads of us, but only certain people are named to receive certain properties and certain wealth. But I was saying to my family, like, as much as the house in Barbados is supposed to be mine, if something unfortunately happened to my grandma tomorrow, I don't know if my current financial situation would be able to maintain that. So 
do you guys understand the numbers so that regardless of who is the named person, we can work together to keep this? In terms of the house in London, you know, when it comes to, again, that day that we're going to have to face, do you understand that you're going to have to pay the inheritance tax within a certain period mm-hmm. of time? And the person who's named to receive that property, they actually might not actually have the knowledge or the resources, the funds to be able to keep that house. How are we working together to devise a plan so that we're not in a situation where you're leaving one man up because you're vexed because your name wasn't in it and then they end up selling it and then we've got gentrification. So for me, you, I, I'm encouraging my family today to work with the numbers so that we understand the numbers as a collective, regardless of which individual. So can I ask a question, right? You're the one that's going to inherit the house. Or you believe Not so? On my own. Pardon? Not on my own. It's the eldest granddaughter's. The eldest grand, so there's a group of you that is going to inherit it. There's three. So do you understand the numbers? Exactly, which is why I've started the conversation. There's no point in me resting on my laurels thinking, oh, yeah, Nanny said that the house in Barbados is mine. Because like I said, if anything happens to her tomorrow, what do I understand? And then once Mm. I have that understanding, even if I do understand it, does my salary afford for me to be able to manage that? Maybe, maybe not. And if it doesn't, the what I'm not about to do is panic and think, I can't, I can't keep this house. So I'm gonna have to sell it. Da, da, da. What I want to do is say, you lot as a family, if you know, we'll come to the the nitty-gritties of naming and final numbers, but the, the primary objective is we are keeping this property in this family. Yes, yes. Go on that. You said, yes. do I understand the numbers? I just feel like you should understand it. I feel like if I'm inheriting something, I'm going to understand it. Yeah, but even if I do, it doesn't mean I have the capacity, like I said, if something happens tomorrow. Yeah, but then if you understand the numbers, you'll be able to answer that question from now. Because I feel like this, this, this there's two things, because Tolls Art's thing about safeguard, and I feel like if you're not named to inherit anything, it's none of your business. So like, when No, my, not, like, you can't say that. You know, no. listen to this. When my grandmother died, yeah, they sold her house. Because my dad, my auntie, the other siblings, that was their inheritance. I can't, yeah, tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not in my grandmother's will. I'm not in legally entitled to have an opinion. There's absolutely nothing I can do about that. Now, I saw that, and that makes me, on the basis of my life and how I want my life and future generations see whether it's my children or my cousin's children or my brother's children doesn't have children yet so I as soon as I got my property I put a will in place I got life insurance because I was like to myself well I can't do anything about the fact that my grandmother's house has has been sold I was not due to inherit it so what can I do if there's a situation where I'm due to inherit something all I can do is understand the inside and the outside of it whatever the details I'm a lawyer so I have a privilege because I feel more confident with understanding these things and I accept that not everyone feels that way but if you're not the one that's set to inherit those things you cannot legally express an opinion I think sometimes people don't even understand like how inheritance works and I think people just think oh you know 
I don't need to have a will like we talked about. I don't need to do this and do that. But legally, I, I, let me add to that. Um, I have a family friend. His grandmother uh, passed away, um, and uh, she left the property, really lovely property, to um, his mother and her siblings. They couldn't afford to maintain it. Um, and they were going to sell it. But he had the luxury of having a little bit of savings, a little bit of money where he could buy certain people out. So therefore, even though he wasn't named on the will, he was able to put money and make sure that the property stayed within the family. And now they're able to utilise that money. They rent out the property and it's a lot. So that's what I was trying to meant to say to Natalie, that basically, even though you might not be the named person, if you're in the family and you kind of know what's going on and you're in the position where you can support, help or try to advise, then yes, technically you're not on the wheel, but you can still have an input if Yeah, but he bought them to... out, right? He bought them out. He bought them out. Yeah, so now he legally owns the property. But he wasn't named, which is what I was trying to say. Not trying to... If you, okay, if you don't have the money, you're not able to do anything, you're not able to support what's happening, then potentially, yeah. But if you have a way of helping or trying to make sure that a property is not sold, then even if you're not named, you might be able to have your say and just say, could yeah, we do this? Yeah, but the property has been sold. It's just been sold to him. Yes, it has. But what I'm saying if is he, he has on to the sell wheel. it, if he has to sell it for his benefit, he'll sell it, right? But he doesn't want to. He, he wants to want keep to. it. That's his choice. Good mm. on him. But that's the point I'm trying, like, do you get what I'm trying to say? The only reason he could contribute is because he could buy it for himself. It's like, if my grandmother died and I had the money to buy the house from my aunties and uncles, they would still get the purchase price from me. Mm -hmm. It's just that I would still own it. And then if I, I could be like, oh, I want it for the family. And I could turn around and be like, uh, I need to sell it. Or if I'm made bankrupt or if I'm made redundant, then my position changes. It's just the ownership of the property has changed. Mm. So I, I, think there's, I think there's a difference. Because if you had, for example, like a trust where everything was in the trust, it doesn't matter who died, who what everything was in the trust and every the trust was the benefit of the family and none of the assets could be taken out and moved and transferred then that's something different do you get what I'm trying to say mm, yeah but I don't I don't even know how to like a lot of people talk about setting up a trust and stuff I generally, yeah how do you do that like what what are the I, don't, I generally don't know how to do it but I mean it's something for people to think about like when they're they're now doing assets if they want houses to be in families for generations and generations then you can't keep passing it down to individuals because people are flaky you have to mm. put it into a trust that means you know people in the family will always benefit from it but they have no right to sell it or mortgage mm. it or whatever i it know there's to... a way to figure um, out trusts within your life insurance policy but yeah I... there is yeah i'm not sure they have to take you through it and then you have to decide what proportion of what goes to people but i think mm. the point really that these guys were trying to make is um even if it was somebody else that took over having family do it is better than just like some yeah. random person so even though the people that were um had the decision to make have made the decision and then somebody's come and said okay i have the available funds or resources in order to take over this property that is more preferred than it going to kind of some other person and i really i really do hear that point you know, my family's been through a situation where my grandparents died and there's lots of kids and then there's just this, that, the other to sort out because they have properties. And literally it's such, it's been such um, a ball lake, which is really still continuing after how many years, like a decade in order to sort out all of the details, et cetera, et cetera, of that, like 
my mum has told me certain things, not the full detail of things. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, oh, wait, so you're still sorting that out. So it speaks to how important it is to get things in place. And we've spoken here about trust. Maybe one of the takeaways for anyone listening to this episode is kind of exploring that and what the options are and what the difference is between having a trust and trust, sorry, and then naming somebody in your will. And we all know of situations where, um, you know, somebody has been named in a will in order to get a certain thing or property, et cetera. And then other members of the family have felt that they could contest it or members of the family that weren't previously known have come out of the woodwork to say, actually, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm the child of so-and-so and, -so and etc. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like the responsibility is individuals who own these properties. Let's talk about, I guess, that form of generational wealth. Um, we have... Well, that the was my responsibility. Mm. Yeah, that's the form of generational diversify. Diversify. Mm. You don't have to have a house that you're leaving to someone. Also, diversify. Diversify mm. you're leaving, your different pots. Because house have its own issues with it when you're leaving it to someone. But if you have something else that you're leaving, that might be a bit easier for them to. Maneuver and yeah, I would definitely say as well. Um, and Shan, this is probably something you're considering is just think about how you're going to pay the inheritance tax because, not yes, not yes, it's terrible. Let me tell you that nine times out of ten, people are actually forced, um, sometimes to sell to, sell, to pay that, pay the inheritance tax. And I think that that's something that we didn't really talk about too much. And, and I think the overall point I'm trying to make is that people keep being really like generational wealth, building generational, building generational wealth. People don't realize the structural the structures that have been put in place mm. make it extremely difficult intentionally for working class people or people who are newly middle class to build to yep. build generational wealth. It's like you know, if even if I have three, four properties, um, and cash and bonds, my children are not going to get that unless they have forty percent inheritance tax to pay so mm. they to liquidate they're forced to liquidate some of my assets to pay the tax and all of the legal stuff that goes around all of that stuff as well it all costs money as well mm. it's the financial drain it's the emotional drain as well psychological tell me do any of you guys know i heard but i just want to clarify if you put your property into a family member's name or two people's name Seven eight years. years before seven. or seven before seven. you die then they don't have to pay inheritance tax yeah Please but what's tricky that. what's tricky about that Can obviously i just want to know someone dies it's not financial advice but but the, but right. the issue, giving, but i just want to know the issue with it is for example if my nan handed over her house now in terms of inheritance and she lived for another seven years you have to be certain and let's, let's please understand that your children can done you out dirty. <laughs> you have to be certain that that child or that person that you're leaving your assets to will continue to look after you for however many years you live beyond that seven. So God okay. willing, my could have another 15, 20 years in her, God willing. And would say for example if the house went to my uncle would he be willing to make sure in all her capacities or lack of that he looked after her and housed her but 
it is a point to know in terms of do you understand do we understand how to play the game there's ways there's slight ways around um inheritance tax but this is what i mean about removing your ego and trusting your circle trusting your mm. network and and it's a risk to be honest it's a risk um it is because some of these kids will kill up kill up their parents you know it's too many stories <laughs> it's horrid. 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 Real. kill up horrid. their grandma they're like you've done you've done licked enough give me my money think- now <laughs> I think the important the important thing for me right now in terms of my family, for me and my children beneath me and my grandma and us as, as those who have held her legacy is that keep learning, keep reading, keep checking. Don't wait till you're in crisis mode. Don't wait till you're actually at the point where you have to make a decision and you don't have the knowledge or the resources to make that decision. I've started to read this stuff and best believe everybody's coming at me oh this is a bit heavy this is a bit morbid morbid yeah yeah i'm not gonna operate in crisis i just want to know what i need to know and then i can plan and safeguard or say that's not for me or are you aware that you could be doing this every day my dad's spending money i said whoa is that my inheritance (laughs) 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 i think that's a really excellent point to kind of now sort of wind up the episode on like information is key and preparation is key I love that point of not trying to operate out of crisis and I think moving forward it's the transparency and you know what with our community it's hard because anytime you mention death it's like oh you're trying to kill me I will live and not die in Jesus name and it's just like can you just relax just trying to have an ordinary conversation and the thing is us we have to mentally prepare ourselves in terms of we might have to engage or broach these topics a number of times until there is that seriousness and understanding we might even have to do a little presentation we might even have to lay things out clearly you know that they are serious it's true exactly. come with the family presentation the big powerpoint Bro, i called the zoom know. meeting i called the zoom meeting <laughs> I, I believe you i believe you i believe so, you did that. hi everyone just coming to zoom meeting to discuss grandma's death yeah, our um, generational wealth you know, you know I mean, um, just secure hashtag secure the generational wealth bag. But also, stop hiding a- from it though. Stop hiding from it. Everybody, you know what? There's also fair, an element like- of privilege in it because it's presuming presuming that the family relationships are good enough to in in even have these kind of conversations. Because you know, some family mix up, mix up. So I feel like everyone should just do the best that they can with the tools available to them. And, you know, have those serious conversations about what do you want the future generations to look like? What do you want them to take from you? Have those conversations with your parents, have them with your grandparents if they're still alive and try to encourage positive attitudes. And even if the generations before you don't want to do that, well, you are now in a position to do that for the generations after you. Has anybody else got any final points on this subject matter? Um, I have one thing to say that I realised I didn't say before. Um, when I'm building generational wealth, my children are going to university and they're going to get jobs. It's not every day. Experiment, experiment, experiment. That's what I was talking about when I mentioned struggle before. (laughs) The whole reason I went to uni and I'm doing corporate law job and working hours, I'm thinking, ah, there's a benefit. Do you think I've got time for my children to be floundering after I was there doing billable hours till God knows when? What the frig? You're going to go to university as a bare minimum for a proper job for five years. Then if you want to go flander, or flandering about do it on your own friggin dime 
Lowe's. I'm not even of that, you know, I, I hear you, I respect you. I'm not even that person, you know. I, I can't lie. I'll let my kid be like, explore all of university. Yeah, I didn't even want to go to university. Rinse out the money. Rinse huh? out the money. And rinse out not the rinse money. out the money. They can work in it. But and Natalie, that's why you make the trust. You must go, to, you can flounder all you want. But I want to see that degree of why there's no trust for you. There's no trust on, for you. Upon 21, like Tariq in power. Amount. You're only getting certain amounts. Natalie's coming like ghosts. <laughs> you guys don't know about me, yeah? You don't know about me. I already spoke to my accountant about how not to make my... You think if I'm going to hide money from my husband so he can't rinse me, I'm going to let my children that I gave first to rinse my money as well? Natalie's serious. She work hard, y'all. Crazy. <laughs> Every time I put on that time at work, I'm doing this, doing this for my embryos, yeah? For them to go and rinse out the money about, I want to do this, I want to just be in meta universe. You better but go isn't and isn't that what autonomy is about? Isn't that why we get mad at our parents? Because they no. had their plan for us and now we're trying to go against I'm, Oh, I'm not it. telling you on your money now. I'm not telling them they need to be a lawyer, accountant. I'm not that or way kind at all. <laughs> but you're not going to just go on and just be doing nonsense. If what you're doing yeah. is making money and you're getting a job, absolutely, and you've got a job, absolutely. If you need a little bit, you know, a little bit. You don't want them to find themselves. Do do up eat, pray, love. <laughs> On their own dime. Let them, if they want to do eat, pray, and love, they want to give a gap here. Yeah. You know what they can do? Audi, Tesco, waitressing at Spurs hot gr uh, football ground. They can do it on their own dime. That's yeah. how I know they're serious. And then what I might do when they're not expecting it is I'll be like, oh, because you saved a thousand pounds, I'll give you a thousand pounds. I'll match it. Something like that. But do you think I'm just going to let them just willy nilly walk about and not take my life serious after I nearly killed myself working as a corporate lawyer before they was even born? Freaking Tell them again. You know actually, Tell them again. That's actually a little bit of a another form of generational wealth in my personal interpretation of it. Like having it such that you are able to provide your kids with opportunities that mm. you might not have had. So if they want to explore, I don't know, being a musician, learning mm. instruments, you're not like, oh, Summer where do holidays. I find this money? Summer holidays, weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half term. Mm. Mm. Maybe once they've done their assignments. Don't blame mm. That's how mm. people reach that generational wealth. That's how yep. I see out the grandparents make it the parents rinse it there's nothing left for the grandkids now I've got to be out here starting from you know zero or zero plus ten when I should really be at zero plus a thousand right mm. I'm not going to work myself for my children just to be flandering by spending my money on Gucci bags and not making it back and not reinvesting in the pot you must sound mad yep Natalie has spoken anybody else <laughs> sorry I know I meant to be rounding up but We've, we've rounded up everybody has said what they needed to say so everybody thank you so much to listening to this episode we're really eager to hear your thoughts on this actually because it's one of those topics that um kind of brings up a lot of polarizing opinions especially within our community so get at us hashtag bww podcast uk on twitter or instagram respond to some of our episode posts as well or send us an email on what your thoughts are in the meantime you can always find us on twitter and instagram at bwwpodcastuk you can email us blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com you can also find us on linkedin black women working and finally you can see us on our website www.blackwomenworking.com <laughs> so this is tara from us now everybody say bye Bye. 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 Bye.